Hello, friends, and welcome to part one of my three-part Omnipod 5 Ask the Experts series. Far too often, community-sourced answers to Omnipod 5 questions contain misinformation. So today, we're going to help to set the record straight with an expert working at Omnipod. And Eric doesn't just work there. He's the clinical services manager. He has type 1 diabetes, wears Omnipod 5, and is the father of a young child with type 1 who also wears Omnipod 5. On this episode, Eric and I are going to answer questions directly from my private Facebook group about everyday use of the Omnipod 5 system. Insulet has paid the host of this podcast, Scott Benner, a fee to create this content. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. This information and other content provided in this podcast or in any other linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something that you've heard in this podcast or read in any linked materials. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast and website have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution. Please speak with your healthcare team if you or any other person has a medical concern and before making any changes to your diabetes management, and consult the Omnipod 5 Automated Insulin Delivery System User Guide for more information. Nothing you hear on the Juicebox Podcast or read on juiceboxpodcast.com is intended as medical advice. You should always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. Well, my name is Eric Davenport. I am a clinical service manager with Omnipod, which means that I train people on Omnipod. And since the launch of Omnipod 5, I've trained over 500 people on Omnipod 5. And I myself have type 1 diabetes. I've used the pod for the past 10 years, and I've changed my own pod about 1,200 times. And not only that, we just found out my two-year-old has type 1 diabetes about two months ago. So he also uses the pod. So my love of the Omnipod runs, uh, is very multifaceted. Yeah. All right. Do me a favor. And I'm going to ask you some questions about that. Put that microphone like straight up to your mouth. Okay. Like bring it, bring it a little closer to you. All right. How's that? Yeah. Talk right into the edge of it like that. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Right there is great. I know you're here so that we can pick through some stuff and, and answer questions, but I, I have to ask you first, I guess, how long have you had type one? When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed when I was six. And this year will be my 25th anniversary. Um, so it's I've had it for a long time. Basically, don't remember life without it. Wow. You're 31 now? Yep, 31. Yep. How long have you been working at Insulet? The past year and a half. So I started in June of 2022. Been loving it. What did you do before that? And how did you make your way there? Yeah, so I am a certified diabetes educator, and I was previously uh, a diabetes educator at a pediatric clinic in Louisville. And really, since I graduated college, I've always known I wanted to be a diabetes educator. So my career has always been in the diabetes field in one way or another, always with the goal of working in peds or some type of, um, I've always loved Omnipod. So this has kind of been a penultimate goal for me. Yeah. Tell me how long you said you've always wanted to do this. You piqued my interest because I I gave a talk this weekend where I met this young man, maybe 12, 13 years old. And he told me I want to be a diabetes educator. So like, how does that like, 
is it something to do with your experience or experiences you had with a good doctor or something you wanted to do to help people move forward? How does that all occur to you when you make that decision? Yeah. So it was uh, an experience I had with a diabetes educator um, growing up. So I live in, lived in Cincinnati and went to Cincinnati Children's. And um, in college, I got really active. I was in like martial arts clubs, rock climbing clubs, and my blood sugars were kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. So I had a meeting with the diabetes educator who told me, why don't you make a couple of these changes to your diet and your insulin? And it really smoothed things out. And I thought that was amazing. If I can change my management through the way I eat and some timing with my dosing, I thought that was so cool and I want to learn more about this and I want to help people do the same. So uh -huh. that was the trigger and that led me to dietetics and work, working with diabetes. Wonderful. What did you take? Uh, what did you do in college that got you ready for this? What was your major? So I'm a dietitian is my uh, degree. So that involves four years of uh, didactic work. And then you do an internship uh, for one year. And that was also very diabetes heavy. I told my... Um, the the teachers that were helping me with my rotations, I was like, whatever you can get me in with diabetes, that's what I want. So um, I did a couple of rotations at some outpatient clinics and it just kind of confirmed. I was like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is what I want to do. Have you had that experience where you got to be that person for somebody else? Like someone was for you? Yes. I, at least I, I think that I have. So one of the things that I love about working in the, the field of diabetes is it's just instant bond. It's this instant connection because nobody else with diabetes truly understands what it like is like to have diabetes except for someone else with diabetes. So there have been many patients that I've really connected with. Um, and I feel like my sweet spot when I was in the the clinic was the teenage boys. Um, I was their diabro and like we bonded and I feel like that really allowed me to gain trust and, and make some changes in their lives that were, right. uh, beneficial. Well, we're going to try to do that here today. We're going to try to awesome. let, let you answer some questions and hopefully move people along in a way that, that helps them, you know, do better for themselves. But Great. again, before I start, I got to ask, do you have other autoimmune issues yourself or are you just type one? I do not just type one. How about in your family line? Do you see celiac, thyroid, stuff like that? So nothing uh, like celiac, thyroid, but my mom uh, developed macular degeneration when she was young. She was mm -hmm. like eight. And at that point, it is an autoimmune. So that's where we think the autoimmunity comes from, but right. no other diabetes. So how many kids do you have? I've got three. So they're four, two, and one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which one was diagnosed? The middle one, he's two. The two-year-old. Just recently? Just, about two months ago. It was actually a, a crazy story we found out on an Alaskan cruise boat it was when we discovered it. It's always on it vacation, wild. Eric. I always know. Always on, on vacation. vacation. Not something you were expecting, though. Or where were you, maybe? No, we had done the the trial net, the auto antibody testing for our older son and our our middle son, he just hadn't hit that age point yet. Yeah. Um, so we were, we're always kind of on the lookout and, um, he just wet the bed through his diaper three nights in a row. And we were like, this is kind of weird. Let's, you know, just check. And right. we will periodically poke their finger if they're, you know, peeing a lot, drinking a lot. And mm. yep, that's how we caught it. So prior to coming to Insulate, were you already using Omnipod? Yes. So I've been on Omnipod for about the last 10 years, maybe a little longer. Oh, wow. 
That's a, a yeah. good long time. I think about how long my daughter's been using it since she was four. And wow. sometimes I go to do the math on it. I, I, I forget how old she is even. So she's 19. <laughs> my best guess is that Arden's been using an Omnipod every day for 15 years. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been terrific, like the entire yeah. way, actually. Like, I, I say this a lot, but it bears repeating here. Just like a, a friend in the journey, you know, just mm -hmm. consistent, does what I expect it to do, does it well. Yeah, that kind of stuff is, um, you can't, you can't say enough about just getting what you expect. And, oh, um, absolutely. yeah. So anyway, uh, I, you obviously where is your son MDI or what's he doing? No, he's on Omnipod. Um, and we're very lucky to have the resources that we do. Obviously my wife and I know a lot, um, from experience. And then one of our best friends is his endocrinologist. So he's been a longtime family friend of ours and, uh, is his endo. So we worked with him a couple of days after his diagnosis. And when we got back from vacation, initiated him on a pod. Okay. So I, he's, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize, but your yeah. Omnipod five is he, or is he using a dash? He's, he's Omnipod five. Well, look yeah. at you guys. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, so you're both using a G six right now. Cause that's what's, uh, what Correct. works with Omnipod five for the moment, right? Yeah. G six. Okay. Yeah. All right, great. I think I know enough to get this done, Eric. That was, awesome. I appreciate you sharing <laughs> all that with me. Yeah. So, so the idea behind these episodes is we're going to be talking to different experts inside of Insulate and kind of going over the questions that we hear people asking all the times. A lot of the questions I see people online, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they're all kind of asking the same things. And I'm sometimes stunned by how like somebody will say something like it's just rock solid fact. And I'll think that's not right. <laughs> like, I know that's not right. Like I've made a, a fairly comprehensive uh, series about Omnipod 5, and I'm certain that that's not correct. But there it is <laughs> out in the world. Like, you know, somebody has an experience, they, they make a leap and they decide it's a, it's a truth. And then they share it online. And the next thing, you know, people are running around saying stuff that, you know, not always accurate. So we're going to go through some things here that we've heard people ask and say, and I'm going to get your feedback on them. Great. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So basic one all the time, line of sight. Does the Omnipod 5 and the Dexcom G6 need to be in what they call line of sight? Do they need to be able to see each other to operate? Yes, you're exactly right. So for best connectivity between the Dexcom and the pod, they do need to have this line of sight and be able to see each other. And the way I like to think about this is if the Dexcom and the pod can see each other on your body enough to throw a baseball back and forth without a body part blocking it, you're going to get some good connection. Okay. And, uh, I'm imagining a pod and a, and a CGM having a catch right now. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I didn't really mean to talk. It just kind of popped into my head. Okay. I know. Yeah. And so this is a Bluetooth connection. Is that correct? Correct. So it's Bluetooth, which is why they need to be able to see each other because Bluetooth doesn't really like to communicate, uh, you know, through like water or body parts. So that's why they need to both, you know, be on the front, both on the back or the same side. Every time I do an, uh, an episode with somebody from Dexcom, someone will send in a question. Can you please make it work while you're swimming? And eventually someone <laughs> online came in and said, like, we're not going to be able to change the physics of it. So I don't think that's right. going to happen. Uh, but it's a very <laughs> common question. Like, people don't understand why or how Bluetooth works. So I, why would you know that? Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the idea here is like the mass of your body, the Bluetooth can't just travel through it. Right, right, that's correct. But what happens, though, when 
you know, somebody comes on, I see it all the time in the, in the juice box podcast, Facebook group, like people come out and say, Hey, you know, what about line of sight? And you know, I, do I have to wear this thing on the same side as the other thing? And someone will say, I don't, and it works fine, but mm -hmm. they don't consider like, what is it they're not thinking of when they talk about that? Yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The range on the pod is, is great, but we're thinking of what's best practice because if that connection is not great, if they can't see each other, you just won't be in automated mode as long as you possibly could be. So that's why we just recommend this line of sight because we want people to be in automated mode as much as possible, which is going to lead to the best results. Okay. And, and so, I mean, the next part here is that diabetes is, you know, it's a bit of a science experiment all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. is there... Is there, is it a hard and fast rule? Is it an FDA requirement? Is it like, or is it just you guys saying, look, this is probably how it's going to work best. So best practices, but people are still going to try things. When I'm training somebody, I want to set them up for the best success as possible. So I'm going to set them up with these guidelines of, you know, let's make sure they can see each other so that they're getting the best results they possibly can. Right. And now if, if they don't follow this advice and mm -hmm. they have trouble this is one of the reasons you want good line of sight because you're mm -hmm. you're counting on the data from the CGM to get to the pod so that it can make insulin decisions. What what mm -hmm. happens if like I don't know what happens if line of sight works fine but then in some contortion I'm watching a movie and I'm all like, <laughs> you know, turned sideways and it suddenly stops working and I don't yeah. have line of sight. What happens then to the automation? So the worst thing that's going to happen is if this connection is lost, that the the person will enter automated mode limited, and it's giving just a more conservative basis of insulin to prevent people from having lows when it's not uh, making these automatic changes. Right. Basically, the the pod doesn't want to give you extra insulin or take it away if it doesn't know your number. So that's the worst that's going to happen. You're still getting insulin. It just might not be as good as it possibly could be is limited automated not manual like it doesn't go back to your like core settings right it's still doing something can, can you tell me more yeah absolutely so what it does is we have your basal that we set when we start the pod right we put in whatever your basal pattern is and then when it's in automated mode the pod is deciding what your basal rate should be based on a lot of factors so all that limited does is it chooses the lowest of these basal rates. So whatever that adaptive basal rate was that the, the automated mode was deciding on versus your basal that we set in the pod, whichever one is lower, it's going to keep you there until you have a Dexcom number and then boom, it goes right back to automated. Oh, I see. So, so it's got a, a, a scale that it can kind of go one and it goes more conservative when it doesn't have mm -hmm. the number because and this is me extrapolating, but if your blood sugar is 130 and, you know, I don't know, your targets, whatever it is, and, and you don't need insulin and suddenly that CGM value goes away, this you don't want the pod to just be like, here's more insulin because you could be going down while you don't have that connection. Your 130 when you come back into connection could be anything, right? Exactly. So if it's a little higher, okay you know, not the worst thing, but if it's lower and we're bolusing on top of it, now we have a problem. Now you might have enough insulin going that, that the algorithm can't take enough away to make mm -hmm. up the difference. Is that about right? Exactly. Okay. That's, that's exactly it. Since we're talking about this, Eric, can you give me some examples of where I can wear the CGM and the Omnipod 5 so that it has great line of sight? 
Yeah, sure. So let's say you have the sensor on your stomach. That would allow you to put the pod anywhere on the front of your body. So you could do the pod on the other side of the stomach. You could do the pod on either one of your legs on the top of your thigh. And that would all give you great line of sight and good connection. Is there a minimum distance that the sensor and the Omnipod 5 should be from each other? There's no uh, minimum distance, but there is a... Um, hold on. Let's let's say that over because I had that flipped in my head. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So the minimum distance they need to be apart is three inches. Okay. So we just want them to be at least three inches apart. So you could even do the same side of your stomach as long as they're that three inches distance and you're good to go. That makes sense. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. We're going to move on now. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Um, I have a, a statement here that you hear sometimes like my Omnipod 5 controller is near my Dexcom. So shouldn't I be able to see the sensor values like right there? Um, I, I guess bigger question is where do we see what we see and what do we use for our Dexcom? Because there's a lot of people who say like, well, I want to use my Dexcom receiver. Um, mm-hmm. but that's not the case, right? You need to be using Dexcom on your phone app to use Omnipod right. 5. Correct. So this question is kind of getting at two things. It's one, how does everything communicate and talk to each other? And then two, um, can we use the receiver? So let's talk about the the transmitter first or the, the having the controller next to the sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the number that you see on your controller or your Omnipod app is actually coming from the pod itself. So the sensor is sending the numbers to the pod and then the pod is sending the numbers to your controller or your app. So it's kind of like a middleman between the between the sensor and the controller. So holding it next to the sensor actually is not where that number is coming from, you'd want to hold it next to the pod and then that would allow it to connect better to get that number. Well, that's interesting because that's a thing I already know. It wouldn't have occurred to me to ask the question that way. So people are taking Omnipod 5 controller and saying, I I want to see my CGM value and they're holding it next to the the transmitter for the CGM, but that's not how it's talking. Right. Got it. CGM talks to the pod, pod talks to the controller. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's excellent. And and for yeah. people who don't know, one of the really terrific things about Omnipod 5 is that the algorithm itself lives inside of the pod. It's not in oh, the controller, yeah. right? Which actually I think really does lead into the next question that you hear so often, which is, I have to have this controller near me for this to work, right? It's it's everyone's right. initial concern when they when they take a look at a system and they see that it's wireless, you know, tubeless, wireless, you know, not connected to each other. Does this controller always have to be with me? But talk about that a little bit. Yeah, look, this is one of my favorite things about this system is that, like you said, all of that technology to make those automated changes are built into the pod, which means that you don't have to be next to the controller or to the phone app to be getting your insulin and those automated changes. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you want to have them with you as much as possible in case you're going to eat or need a bolus or change the pod. But if you're away from the controller and the app, you're getting the insulin and you're getting those automated changes. And I see this in in my life constantly. Like I said, my two-year-old is on the pod. He um, is just crazy running around outside all the time. And we just leave his controller in the kitchen where we know where it is, but we're confident that while he's out running around in the backyard away from it, he's still getting the insulin and those automated changes. So that gives us some peace of mind and some confidence. Well, not just that, honestly, but you're talking about what you love about it. Yeah. One of the other things that I think is amazing is 
I get in the shower, it still works. I, mm. you know, like that is to me fantastic. I go out and I play soccer maybe or something like mm. that in my activities. It still works. It, it, it wasn't that long ago that people were running around with like fanny packs with things stuck in them to make their stuff work, you know, or, yep. I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've hung things over fences at softball fields or run to the <laughs> other side where my daughter was. So you still had yep. like the idea that none of that is a problem with Omnipod five, I think is really fantastic. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Another, um, that person that comes to mind on this topic is I work with a lot of people that have very physical jobs, construction mm-hmm. workers, people that work in assembly lines and factories, and they don't want the controller with them because they just don't want their something in their pocket being cumbersome and potentially getting damaged. So they'll leave that controller, you know, in a, in a locker or uh, an office or something while they're doing their job. And then they know that they're getting these automated changes and it's, helping prevent lows while they've got this super activity while they're working. Yeah. So it's, it's those real world applications that make you realize like, gee, my kid could go out on recess and not have to take the controller with them or not have to have their phone with them. And the, and the algorithm still working. It's still saying, Hey, I think we might be getting low. Let me take, take Mm -hmm. away some insulin or, Hey, you're going up from all this adrenaline. Here's some back, you know? um, Right. Now the one thing you lose though, I want to be clear about this. So if I don't have my phone or the Omnipod 5 controller with me, do I get alarms? You will not get alarms unless you hit 55. If the blood sugar hits 55, then the pod beeps. But outside of that, you don't get alerts for your blood sugar, if insulin is low, anything like that. So with that point, it is important to have your devices with you and near you so you get those alarms. But if you're away from them, you're still safe in getting those changes. It's one of those things, the way I think about it is, it's great that it works, but Mm -hmm. being completely honest, I don't know how long I'd be away from it. Like if it was 15 minutes here or there, I think maybe I'd be like, okay. But but I want to make sure I go over that again because I want to make sure people understand. You may, for example... People will laugh, but I, my daughter's alarms are set at 70 for low and 120 for high. So, um, <laughs> so if, if Arden's on Omnipod five and she goes over 120, she's not going to know it if she doesn't have her phone for her Dexcom app to beep or the Omnipod five controller. That's it. Correct. But for safety yes. reasons, even without controllers, even without phones, if you go to 55 or under the pod itself beeps. Yes. The okay. pod and the controller beep. Okay. So. Everything screams at you then. Your phone, the controller, the pod, it lets you know. It's fantastic. <laughs> it really is terrific. Yeah. Okay. It is. It yeah, is yeah. great. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it sounds like I'm just like, oh, that's fantastic. But if you've lived with this long enough, you'd know how valuable that is. Because yes. it's nice to say, oh, I always have my phone with me. And you do for the most part. A lot of people do for the most part. But you still walk away. You know, you go do something or you go, you know, I'm going to go move the laundry. And then the next thing you know, you're like, I'll make the bed. And, you know, like before you know it, you've been, you know, in the bedroom for a half an hour. You don't realize it. So really fantastic stuff. So, Eric, your son was diagnosed pretty young, like my daughter was. Um, Arden used MDI for the first four, two years, I guess, till she was four years old. Um, but your son went pretty quickly from MDI to mm-hmm. Omnipod 5. And I was just wondering what that transition was like. Yeah. So he was using MDI for about three days before his first endo appointment. And then um, with his endo, we made the decision to transition him to 
being on the Omnipod. And it has been such a blessing. Um, while that short period of time he was on injections, he would fight the shots and it was, it, he didn't want to take them and there was crying involved. So now it's one click for three days and he barely even notices the pod. Um, and it's, it's great because he can be running around outside and we have the controller inside in a safe place. And we know that while he's out there doing his thing, he's uh, still connected with the sensor. He's getting those automated changes. And then if we're going to give him insulin for lunch, we just run out there, you know, point it at him, get within 20 feet and give him that insulin and have him come in. So I, that's interesting. You bring that up because I, I'm a big believer of not wanting the kids to feel impacted constantly. Mm -hmm. And so being able to be a distance from the pod and deliver a bolus, for example, I think is a big deal. Like I, I don't, I don't quite know how to quantify it, but stopping a person and saying, stop doing what you're doing, stand here for a second. Mm -hmm. So I can do this. I I don't love the way that feels. So yeah, that, that is a really terrific aspect of it. Like, you know, you're not tethered to it so you don't have to say hey come over here hey hand me that thing you know like whatever it's a it's a it might seem like a small thing to people but for someone like me who's lived through it for so many years with my child i'm going to tell you it's a it's a big deal and and, and, and quite a benefit easier yeah well easier too but not it's not as impactful on them i i I think so it's what i experienced with my daughter He'll he'll actually celebrate when we give a bolus because he knows he means it means he's getting to eat. So there's a confirmation beep that when the bolus is given, it goes beep. And when he hears that, he goes, yay, because that means it's time to eat. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) finally, I've been hungry. (laughs) I forgot to bring this up, but I know this is another thing that I hear people kind of confused about all the time. If you're using um, and I'm not sure if we talked about it, but I just want to go over it again, just in case we didn't Dexcom Mm -hmm. receiver or Dexcom on the phone one or the other, not both. Right. So it can only be on the Dexcom or the Dexcom can only be on the phone app. We cannot use the receiver. And the reason being is that it can only connect to one medical device and the receiver is a medical device and the pod is the medical device. And the receiver uh, will basically stop that connection between the pod and the Dexcom. Eric, we're doing great. Have you ever made a podcast before? You're doing really well. No, this is my first time on a podcast. It's a lot of fun. Excellent. Oh, uh, you're having a good time? Yeah, yeah, I'm having a great time. Look, nice. I love talking about Omnipod. You know, it, it's um not often, right, that you get to apply your professional craft at something that helps people, helps yourself, and makes you feel good about it. It's, right. Yeah. I mean, I love this product. It's life-changing. It's life-changing for me, my son, the people I work with. So yeah, it's, it's, it's super fun to talk about because it's something that I could talk about all day. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you give me some examples of ways that Omnipod 5 has helped you, like in your personal life? Yeah, absolutely. With me personally, I before Omnipod 5, I was checking my blood sugar constantly. Um, I try to keep a low A1C, but with that can come a risk of lows. So I was constantly checking. It felt like every 30 minutes. And that can be very mentally draining, very time consuming. So what Omnipod 5 gave me was time and um, mental burden just lifted because now I can go, you know, I can go without checking my Dexcom constantly and know and feel confident that it's got me covered because it's working on those automated changes in the background. And I remember very poignantly the first time 
I didn't know my blood sugar immediately in my head. It surprised me. And also, uh, was, it was a cool little celebration. I was on a road trip and I'd been driving for a couple hours and then I realized what's my blood sugar. And then I looked at it and it was great. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. (laughs) I tell people all the time, like use your alarms to give yourself that comfort. Yes. You know, like I, I don't like, like for me, a high alarm, I, I want it to be at a reasonable level where I can do something about it if things are getting away. But that the opposite of that feeling is that when the algorithm's helping you and it's keeping you between those alarms, you don't hear them for so long. It is off putting right. at first. Like, why am I not hearing those alarms? And it's because the algorithm's keeping you in a range. Fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Really. And wonderful. I think sleep is another big one for me and something I've seen with my patients too. I sleep deeper because I don't have to worry about lows quite as much. Yeah. Did you notice um, a, a reclamation at that point? Like once you go on to Omnipod 5, like did you wake up one day and say, I feel more well-rested than I have in the past? Yeah, it was actually the first couple of days I woke up in the low hundreds and I was like, wow, I slept through the night without having to wake up and check it. Um, typically I would, you know, rustle in the middle of the night, like we all do. But at that point, put a glaring phone to my face to see what my blood sugar was, mm. which is very interruptive to sleep. So at that point, um, after a couple nights of feeling it out and getting confident, I was able to just sleep without having to check the Dexcom. And I, I did, I do remember feeling waking up and being like, wow, this is great. I feel more rested. My exact experience. You had my exact yeah. experience. And I had, I had done this thing where I sort of I guess I lied to myself and I told myself, like, you're one of those people. You don't need to sleep as much. You're OK, <laughs> you know, and, and because it's yeah. for your kid. I mean, for me, it was for my kid. You're doing it for yourself and now for yourself and your child. But I I really was I wasn't right. I was I was not as well as I could have been. My health wasn't as well. I wasn't the same person without that sleep. And you mm-hmm. don't realize it because sleep it's interesting as you lose it, you kind of drift away from who you are, but you don't see it happening. Right. You know, and before you know it, you're a version of yourself that you would prefer not to be, but you think, well, this is how it has to be. But man, right. not, not with Omnipod 5. Sleep is, boy, I don't want to rate the, I don't want to rate the values of Omnipod 5, but boy, <laughs> sleep be pretty high up on my list. It's it's a big one. Yeah, And yeah. I think a lot of people trade the fear of going low is staying high while they sleep, which is also just not great for sleep either. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to sleep well if you're, you know, high. So no, no, no exactly right. You, you, yeah. people don't think about how blood sugars alter them. Like we all mm-hmm. think about, oh, you get low, you get dizzy, you don't make sense, that kind of stuff. Your blood sugar starts going up. Significant effects on who you are, how your brain works, yeah. and and yeah. a lot of other things, your muscles and your edge so much. Um, another thing I hear Eric talk, um, Eric, I hear two people talking about is there, I think they can kind of get confused because there's Omnipod dash and there's Omnipod mm-hmm. five, right? So if I have a bunch of dash pods and I want to go to five, can I just use my old pods? No, correct. No, you cannot. So Omnipod five are the pods that work with the Omnipod five system. Um, and I'll just say, make sure that what you pick up from the pharmacy is Omnipod five pods. Um, because sometimes the pharmacies do mix them up or they might have, you know, a back stock of dash that they accidentally give you. And you're going to try to get it connected for a while and get frustrated, but it's because you have the wrong pod. So, Mm. um, you can look on the box, you'll see the five and each little pod package has an Omnipod five on the upper corner. So just double check and make sure you're getting the right thing. So that could go either way. I might, I might want dash pods. Somebody might hand me a five by yeah, the sure. vice versa. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. 
here's the thing that I've heard people say that I have to be honest, I think of it as like a positive. So I'm confused usually when they say it. Yeah. But you'll hear people say sometimes like, look, I, sometimes I want to take this off. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, the truth, like from my perspective, one of the wonderful things about Omnipod 5 is the constant insulin delivery. Yeah. And I think that I think that that can be a confusion for people who think like, well, you know, I used to have a tube pump. And so, how, mm-hmm. you know, what do I do when I, I mean, what is it? Exercise, swim, maybe mm-hmm. I'm being intimate with somebody like that kind of stuff. But I always think like, don't take it off. Like, you know, you need that insulin. You need that background mm-hmm. insulin mm-hmm. all the time. I, I, I certainly don't want to be a bummer, but I've interviewed a number of people who in just a couple of hours of being disconnected from their insulin have found themselves in DKA. Oh, you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. So, um, to me, it's a benefit that Omnipod's always there and it's always working. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. But if I was, if I had that thought in my head, why would I not want to disconnect? Yeah. So, my personal experience, I've been on all the pump systems in my days. And this is what drew me to Omnipod was the constant insulin. Uh, because I was so active, I would take my tube pump off for like baseball practice. And then three hours later, I had ketones. So, Studies uh, have shown that disconnecting from insulin can cause the blood sugar to rise one milligram over deciliter every minute. So getting this constant insulin is going to lead or can lead to better clinical results, better blood sugar results. Mm -hmm. And one of the really cool things that the Omnipod 5 has that can kind of mitigate this um, fear or idea that people have is activity mode. So this is a mode that can be initiated for any length of time up to 24 hours to tell the pod, hey, I need less insulin during this time. So when you are being active, doing whatever it is, the pod's going to back off of the algorithm, be a little bit more conservative. So it's not going to cause or it can prevent causing a low while still getting that continuous insulin for the best results. Yeah, it just it to me, it's it's sort of a no brainer. And, and, and the other thing that you didn't mention, but I'm going to say it here, you can be in DKA with a number that's not elevated. You right. you could be a DKA with 120 blood sugar. It's sure. the, it's the yeah. absence of insulin that causes you the problem. And it doesn't mm-hmm. always mean that your blood sugar will shoot up. You could be, you know, it can go either way, but it's one of those things that's, it's just important enough because of how quickly it can turn. I, it just, I mean, listen, people have been, People have had diabetes for a long time. They certainly had it longer than my kids had it. Um, although I think I've, I've been in the game for a while now. But I'm always worried when I hear somebody say, I took off my pump to go play a three-hour game of something. Right. Like, it doesn't sit right with me. So um, yeah. anyway, I, please well, leave I, your pump. And I think on. it comes down to the the burden, too, of having to disconnect, having to remember to put it back on. You know, why not just have something you don't have to worry about to get in the shower? You just hop in and get out and it's fine. Yeah, it, because you, you you don't know till you talk to enough people how many people disconnect their tube pump, jump mm-hmm. in the shower, get out, forget to put it back on. Right. And then, you know, it's two hours later when you remember it's on the sink and, you know, in the bathroom. You might hear that people with tube pumps say it's uh, convenient to take it off for some of these activities, but the reason it's convenient to disconnect it is because it's inconvenient to wear it for these things, where with Omnipod, it's always convenient. It's always on, you're always getting insulin, and you don't have to worry about it for whatever you're doing. It's right there pumping insulin. That's absolutely true. I've never, I, I you know, I say these things sometimes and I wonder what people think, but I, I can only tell you my experience. 
my daughter has never said to me, this Omnipod's in my way. Like, mm-hmm. never. I've She's played sports, swam, gone to college, driven a car. I mean, a number of years ago, my daughter was two wins away from going to the Little League World Series for softball. And Dang. I never heard, hey, this is in my way. That's so, awesome. But, but all the time, what do I hear from people? Oh, my kid's got to disconnect their tube pump right. so they can X, Y, Z. It's, it's constantly, right. it's all, it, it, it that, that makes total sense to me. Um, well, this is kind of connected to that loosely. Mm-hmm. I think I mean the pun, uh, but for people <laughs> who might have trouble keeping pods on sometimes, you know, I think it's incumbent, I think, upon me to say that medical devices in general all sort of have the same issues with some people around adhesives. And then mm-hmm. with some people, no. Again, my daughter doesn't use overlay patches. She doesn't. Have, mm-hmm. I've never seen an Omnipod fall off of her. I mean, maybe on the third day, if she swam for nine hours, it was easy to pull off afterwards. But mm-hmm. that's just kind of luck, right? That's her skin and the adhesive. It works really well for her. But for other people, what do you see and, and what can help them? Yeah. So I think the tendency is people think they need to buy these overlay patches or they need other products to keep it stuck. But I think there's other basics that we can focus on to to help the pod stick as best as possible before we look into using those other things. So I tend to think of um, three basic things that if we can make sure we're doing before every single pod, that's going to give us the best success. And one is just making sure you have clean skin using an alcohol swab, making sure you put it on or change it after a shower. Um, And because, you know, we all have oily skin, so that oil can get in the way of the adhesive. So washing that off is going to give us the best stick, Uh, but also making sure the skin is dry. Um, I think the tendency sometimes can be that you use the alcohol swab, you wet it down, you get it good and clean, but then you stick it on right afterwards. You don't let it get dry and it just falls off. Um, We've had this happen with our son before. He was being wiggly and he didn't want to sit still. And we were trying to get it on really quickly. And we just put the alcohol on and stuck the pot on and just popped right off. So, (laughs) yeah. What about, I I, I just have to ask, hair? Do do some people have to shave first? Yeah, sure, sure. That, that's obviously person dependent and mm-hmm. they need to assess that themselves. But um, shaving can absolutely be something that, that uh, can be beneficial and hair can get in the way of that adhesive. You know, we have a whole team of people that their job is to look at why aren't these pods sticking? And they see everything from oily skin, lotion, too much hair, and they're assessing why they might not be sticking. And we see all those things. Eric, are you telling me that I can get a job at Insulate where I get to look at pods that have been returned so we can see what happened and I may get one with hair stuck to it. You absolutely could. Where can I apply for that job? <laughs> Through LinkedIn? I, I'm super excited. I'm leaving my profession right now and I'm running to that one. Let us thank all the people who do that job right now. <laughs> well, good good luck on that search. Yeah. And I thank them too. It's a, it's a, it's an important job. Yeah. They tell us, you know, what's keeping it stuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you know, obviously, you know, if the if the site's still wet or if you have hair. But the truth is, is that anything between you, between your skin and mm-hmm. that adhesive that's blocking the path is going to stop adhesion from absolutely. happening. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of common sense when you're looking at it, maybe make some decisions that, you know, like I've heard people say, um, oh, what, what was that one person told me online? Oh, 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 my, my stuff falls off. I don't even think they were talking about Omnipop, but my device is falling off all the time. What do we do? And then it was in the Facebook group and it turned into a chat. And people went all through it. 
And, you know, by the time you get done, here's what you learned. Uh, uh, lotion. The person yes. was like rubbing like hand lotion on themselves. And then they're yeah. like, I don't understand. It's falling right off. And, and, but it was funny how it took a small village of people to like get to that idea because it was so a part of the person's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, routine. They just didn't even think about it. Like it actually right. took someone to say, Hey, do you use any body lotion? And, and then the person was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then like, That's it was funny. anyways, a funny thread to watch somebody yeah. like yeah. learn something about themselves. They didn't, they didn't know, you know, it's really fantastic. So That's good. So before I go spending a bunch of money on others, I, I have to say again, we don't use overlays. Maybe she's lucky. Maybe her skin's not that oily. Maybe we just prep it. Well, I yeah. don't, I don't know. I think another thing that can be beneficial or something to think of is strategic placement. I think that can be important as well. You know, if you have, again, thinking back to my people with physical jobs that are doing construction, they don't want it necessarily on their stomach because they're lifting, they're, they're moving. So those people tend to put it more in somewhere different, you know, like the back of their arm where it's more out of the way. Um, so I think thinking about what do you do on a daily basis, where could it get knocked off? And then maybe let's think about somewhere else that could just be another thing to put in place to make sure it's going to stay on as long as possible. Fantastic. Well, all right. So Eric, we've gone through the, the questions that I have for you. Do you have yeah. anything else that you want to leave people with? I mean, y- you do this every day, right? You talk about it for yeah. a second. You say you've trained over how many people do you think you've trained? Over 500. I don't know that exact number, but it's, it's. That's a there. lot. Right. Yeah. Do you do them in person? Do you do them virtually? How does that work? We do both. So uh, I'll go to the clinics. We'll do in person. Um, we'll also do virtual. Uh, so it's a nice mix. And um, yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. So, you know what? I don't, I don't even think I did this at the beginning. So much like people who listen to podcasts know there are times I'm like, hey, we should probably talk about your diabetes at some point. Uh, but, <laughs> but we should probably say this. Tell me your title again. Yeah. So I am a clinical service manager is the full title. So what that makes me think of is that you're in charge of the lunches at a doctor's office, but that's probably not true. So why don't you tell me what that actually is? Okay. Yeah. So basically that means that I train people, start them on Omnipod. I follow up with them to make sure that they're doing well. They're not having any issues and helping them get through any troubleshooting they might have. Um, and I'm also work uh, educating doctors and, uh, other providers on what Omnipod is, how it works, best practices. So it's, uh, both patient and provider facing. Yeah. That's really something. And you've been doing it for, would you say over a year now with Omnipod? Yeah, a little bit over a year. So it was uh, summer of 2022. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Hey, you get the uh, pods like a little cheaper or something? Or that, Well, they, yeah. they are free. They do come directly from Omnipod. Ooh. <laughs> nice perk of the job. Oh, now I'm really applying. for. Oh, I guess that yeah. wouldn't work for Arden anymore. She's an adult. But I was going to say, now I'm really applying for that job. Of you, get, you get all the, the pods with hair. the hair on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll look at them. <laughs> I would look at the hairy pods for free pods. I just want to be clear. Yeah. absolutely all right man thank you so much for doing this i really do appreciate it yeah absolutely thank you so much this was a lot of fun that was my pleasure i hope you enjoyed this don't miss episode two ask the omnipod 5 product support expert this one's about the top calls that they receive from customers that episode will be with me and Lindsay friedman Lindsay is the Senior Manager of Clinical Product Support at Insulet. The third part of this series is not to be missed. It's with Melissa Lee, Senior Manager, Instructional Design. 
That episode is going to be called Ask the Omnipod 5 User Guide Expert Questions About the Algorithm. This one's a pretty deep dive, especially about how to make changes and adjustments. And Melissa actually wrote the Omnipod 5 User Guide. Both Lindsay and Melissa have type 1 diabetes. Whether you're a current or future Omnipod 5 user, you also should check out this great content from myself and Insulate. Episode 736, Omnipod 5 Pro Tip Overview. Episode 737, Omnipod 5 Pro Tip Settings. And episode 738, Omnipod 5 Pro Tip Connectivity. That series is with me and a pediatric nurse diabetes educator named Carrie Burgett. Throughout this Ask the Expert series, you'll hear me refer over and over again to having your settings correct when you initially set up Omnipod 5. And my Omnipod 5 Pro Tip series will help you to do just that. You can find them in the audio app you're listening in right now or at juiceboxpodcast.com slash Omnipod 5. Interested in getting started with Omnipod? Use my link, omnipod.com slash juicebox. Both of those links are available in the show notes of the audio app you're listening in right now, and they're also at juiceboxpodcast.com.